the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Brown. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. I'm Matt Browning, sitting here with Jeremy as per usual. What's going on, buddy? How's it going? Good, good day. Awesome. Uh, as we record this open, we are in the middle of a three-day mastermind program for our advanced mentees in uh, a business program, which is pretty fun. So we're starting the first day, and I had this idea, so I wanted to do something fun that I'd never done before. So for this episode this week, I wanted to record the episode in front of a live studio audience, so to speak, right? And, and I remember, you know, growing up as a kid, um, I don't, depending on how old you are listening to this, I'm 38, and I remember there were there was like the TGIF shows and Full House and, and Family Matters. I think, yeah, that was what it was. And with Urkel and all those guys, mm-hmm. are you old enough to remember that? Um, somewhat, yeah. You, you've heard of Urkel. I've heard of Urkel. Yeah. Different strokes. I've, Different I'll, strokes. Yeah, all those, yeah. <laughs> And I remember it was uh, there wasn't a lot of live stuff going on back in the day, and um, the show it, it was either it wasn't family it was rock. There was a show called Rock, I think it was called Rock. You can tweet me if I'm if I'm wrong at Matt Browning and tell me what that was. But there was the the big um, big bald dad, and and they they were getting getting ready to do Rock Live, and for two weeks they had this thing where they're like, we're going live. It's not going to be pre-recorded. It's in front of a live studio audience. We're going live to TV. Anything can happen. You never know what's going to happen. If we make mistakes, like it's there for everyone to see. So make sure you tune in. And it had really high ratings. And I was a little disappointed because when I tuned in and watched the show, it was just a regular show. No one made mistakes. It was just, it was like normal. So I don't know how this podcast episode is going to be. But hopefully, um, hopefully it'll be entertaining and interesting nonetheless. So uh, if you if you know me and you know our company, uh, I have an office and a training center in Costa Mesa, California. That's where we're doing the podcast, and that's also where we do the mastermind trainings. So we were out in in our training room, and we're right next to John Wayne Airport. So there's planes and stuff, you know, overhead. I don't know how well you can hear them or not, but we just wanted to go for it and have a lot of fun. So we did part three. This is part three of our sales uh, processes. Part one, we did the overview of psychology of sales. Part two, what did we do, Jeremy? We did the five-step NLP five-step sales process. Oh, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> right. So that was where we're talking about the actual process itself once you're with someone. And then part three to finish up the series is all about overcoming objections. And it's funny. Um, so we just taught it right this morning. And went right about an hour or so. So like buckle and get ready. There's some really, really good nuggets in there. And I, w- I, was, I was shocked because I didn't expect to, uh, to get into some of the things we got into. You know, like originally, I suppose, when I look at the NLP process of overcoming objections, it, some people look at that as really salesy, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you have a lot of those, those canned language patterns and sentences of, so what do I need to do to get you into a car today? And, like, and, and even overcoming objections sometimes people get a negative response, right? It feels pushy and, and like you're trying to sell. And even though they have a, a concern, you're trying to bulldoze over it. So I talked a lot about the psychology of not doing that and how to really address them. We went through a few different keys of, uh, I define what objections actually are because some objections aren't actually objections. So we talk about what they are and what they mean. And then we got into four different ways to handle objections. One of them, believe it or not, is just ignore it. And I'll talk all about in the episode how to do that um, in integrity and why some objections actually should be ignored. 
Most of them shouldn't, but sometimes that's actually the best thing to do. So I get into four different ways to handle them, and then we broke down a few different processes and responses once you're actually dealing with a real objection towards the end of a sales conversation, uh, what to do about it, uh, and how to handle that appropriately. Again, uh, my frames are always doing it in integrity, always doing it with a win-win scenario. You're never out there, hopefully, trying to do this in a win-lose. Like, you know, either I sell you on my product or you sell me on why you don't want to do it. And either way, some of, one of us gets off the car a lot. Uh, so I, I don't want that. Um, Jeremy, you were sitting in there the whole time uh, during the training or during, I guess, the live podcast mm-hmm. episode. Um, what, I don't know. Do you have any, any thoughts or any feedback on, on what it was like? Or did you've seen me teach this stuff a lot. Right. Did, did it strike any new chords or any different nuggets? Kind of what was it like for you? It did, because like when you bring up the topic of handling objections, there is that kind of like reaction to it. So I'd like to think of it kind of like problem solution. And in trainer training, as of course you know, uh, you start talking about what's the underlying question to that person's actual question. So kind of transferring that same kind of thought process into in terms of objections, I'm really asking myself, what is really going on? What is that person's model of the world to ask that or have that objection, right? Right. Um, and being able to really relate to it and and go. And, an- and answer that objection because it's a conversation, right? It's not so much like I'm going to give you this scripted response. Right. It's more I'm genuine curious as to why they would have that objection and what their situation might be and, yeah, like how they approach life and, and purchasing. Oh, that's that a good point. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Because uh, I talked a lot about like going under the surface right. and how sometimes the objection isn't the actual objection, right? Like I, I give an, yeah. I'll give an example where if someone says, hey, I need, I need the product by Tuesday – they might not actually need it by Tuesday. It sounds weird because they just told you that. But if you dig in and say, well, what's the purpose? Like what's important about Tuesday? They might just say, well, I wanted to make sure I had enough lead time because we have an event Saturday morning in LA and we need it for the event. So like, right. So when you're thinking about how long does it take to manufacture or deliver the thing I have, you might say, well, I can't do Tuesday, but because you have your event Saturday, you know, I could probably get it by Wednesday. I could hand deliver it by Thursday and you'd have it in plenty of time with that work. And they go, oh my gosh, yes. So, right. Yeah. But, but you only know that when you start to uncover what's behind or what's under the surface for an objection. 100%, yeah. So uh-huh. I give a lot of examples around that. Um, I talked about a few different ways to dig deep and, and, and get what it is. Uh, we talk about things like how to validate um, how to restate the right way an objection, how to validate an objection. So then you can actually have a real full of integrity conversation and help them to get it. I also chat a little bit about how to go from a salesperson to more of a consultant role. So like, you know, if, if I had an objection with something, I, I was scared. My doctor said I have to have surgery. He didn't, but let's just say, and I was scared about it. I might tell my doctor, listen, I'm really scared. I'm worried about this. And my doctor's not going to sell me. He's not going to hard close me on a surgery, right? Right. Um, But what he would do is he'd be more of a medical consultant. And he'd probably say, I I get that. You know, a lot of people are scared with this kind of a thing. And and that's valid. He may restate it if he's a good doctor, good bedside Mm -hmm. manner. Um, And then he might say, you know, can I give you a suggestion? Here's a few things that we do so you can feel safe about this. And this is what's different about our hospital. And he's not selling me on the, the surgery itself or even the hospital itself. He's helping me to overcome one of my concerns or one of my fears. Mm. So I hope this is making sense. If you like this and you like our podcast, um, you're going to love this conversation. Um, again, bear with me. This is our first live uh, studio one we did. Um, there should be, depending on how much time, we took a few questions. Um, we'll see if the final questions get in the final edit or not. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. And without any further ado, let's get into Overcoming Objections Sales Part 3. 
So welcome, welcome to the first ever live podcast recording for the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. How are you guys? You are a rowdy bunch. This is awesome. So we're sitting here in one of our advanced masterminds with the company, and this is day one, and I thought, you know, we're supposed to do a podcast today, so why not just do it live in front of all y'all? So let's rock and roll and get into, this is part three of our sales conversation about overcoming objections. You ready for that? All right, great. So how many of you think uh, you will probably sell something or you have sold something in the past? Yes? Okay. And man, I love that. You know you're on audio recording. Usually you just put your hands in the air, but now you all said the word yes. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> and raise your hand or say yes if you've ever had someone give you an objection or a reason why they can't do it. Okay. All right. So today we're going to handle all of that and we're going to do that in the podcast episode. So listen up. So a couple things. Number one, so the first question is, what is an objection in the first place? If you're taking notes, you can certainly write down uh, some of these things. I think you might like it. So number one, what is an objection? Well, there's a few different possibilities of what I would call an objection. Usually it, lo- it works like this. I'm sitting having a sales conversation one-on-one with a prospective client, and then instead of giving me their credit card number, they ask me a question. They say something. So here's a few things that might be. And now, it's not just saying something. See, if they ask a question and they clarify, oh, does it come in blue? That's not an objection. What is that? Right? That's a clarification. That's a buying question. That's a great thing. You go, of course it comes in blue and we can deliver it next Thursday. Like, that's a good thing. But when they say, well, yeah, I'd love to, but, you know, I'm so busy right now. I'd love to, but X, Y, Z, Y, Q, whatever it is. They have a problem or an issue. So number one, um, an objection could be what we call a legit question one that is actually valid. So the thing you want to know is if it's a legit question, ask yourself, is this a valid, legit question? You know, someone says, hey, um, my wife's at home and I haven't talked to her. You know, I I have a concern about that. So what do you think? You know, or I don't want to decide today because I want to talk to my spouse. Well, is that potentially a legit question and a valid concern? Right? So, So don't think of that as an objection. They're not actually saying, oh, I don't want to. What they're saying is, hey, I have a real concern of something going on in my life, and I want to ask you about it. So I think that's great. So if someone has a legit question, all you do is answer it. And we'll talk in a moment. I'm going to get into, like, what do you do about it and what are the possible responses. So hold your breath, because for right now, I just want to break down what an objection actually is. So it could be legit questions, um, legit issues things that they've had a concern because they had a problem in the past with a past vendor and they're asking a question about how you do your process. So that's fine. So I guess my point is don't get defensive when someone has a legit question. Just realize, hey, they're engaging with me and if they have a question, that's a good thing. Number two, an objection can actually be a sign of interest. Well, think about it. If they had no objections, how interested would they really be? See, just like I talk about in our NLP seminars, I'll say if you're on the way to a goal and you run into obstacles, what does the obstacle mean? Well, it means you're on the path to a goal. Think about it. If you didn't have any obstacles, you wouldn't be on your way to your goal. If you weren't moving, you wouldn't run into obstacles. So the very fact that you're progressing forward in a sales conversation means you're going to hit some obstacles and whatnot. So I call objections a sign of interest. Right? They're engaging with me. They're asking questions. They're starting to think 
they're getting the picture in their mind of taking on buying this thing from you or buying this product or service, and they're beginning to now, right, they're making a picture in their mind of buying it. And because they made a picture in their mind, now they're considering, oh, but if I do it, what about this issue, right? So does that make sense? The only reason the issue came up is because they're thinking about buying it. So I think it's a great thing again. So don't be scared of objections. Get excited. The third possibility, though, that it is, one, two, three, the three, the three, the third possibility is it might just be an excuse to say no without saying no. And you got to realize that, too. Some people just are really bad at saying no, or they know themselves and they know they have a terrible decision-making strategy, meaning that they have a lot of buyer's remorse in their life, or they don't feel confident maybe to stand up to like a stronger personality and they're in that. They have that kind of space in sales where they're always, have you ever, have you ever felt that before? I know I have. I walk into a car dealership and I'm worried about being pushed over, right? Or by the, so then I got to go and be all strong and be like, no, I'm, and, and I try to bring on this attitude so they don't push me over because one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. And the truth is, sometimes sales scenarios today, of course, still exist where the salesperson is out for a win-lose scenario. Either I talk you into buying the car or you talk me out of it. Right, So they're going to push for that. Uh, so some people are kind of worried about that sort of thing. And they're worried that if they say no, the person won't take no for an answer. Right. So I, over the years, I've heard this version of, a, of an obstacle a lot. It's, oh, well, you know, yeah, that sounds good. It's just, it's really busy. And I'm just kind of, I got this going on and that going on. So, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. You won't let me know. You're letting me know right now. You don't want to do it. So here's what I do. Should I talk? I'll talk about that right now. So when I get an obstacle or uh, an objection that to me sounds like they kind of really aren't for it, they don't want to do it, um, for whatever reason, it's not going to meet their need, which is fine. Is it okay if you try to sell something and you realize it's not going to meet their need and they go somewhere else? Or Like you can't make every single sale and that's okay. If you really care about the integrity of the person's experience, you'll be okay if sometimes they don't go with you. Of course, if you're the best in the world at what you do, like some of you here, right? I can't imagine Barbara being okay with anyone going anywhere else. I could imagine, though, I'm just making this up right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Barbara, but Barbara runs Loyalty Processing, little plug for you. Um, uh, it's a merchant processor for credit card processing. And you're amazing, but is there a possibility that some people you talk to aren't a good fit for maybe volume size or type of business or something like that? Is that possible? Right? So if you find out that someone's not really a good fit and they're like, well, they kind of get squirmy and they give you an objection, like, I'm not really sure if I need to switch over, it's okay for Barbara to recognize that and go, you know, it's okay to say no. This might not be a good fit for you. And here's what I do. When I get an objection that seems like a no, but it's covered in a, yeah, just not right now, what I do is I call them out on it. I literally just straight up say, you know, it sounds like this might not be a good fit for you. And if it's not, it's okay just to say no. I literally say those words almost exactly. And you know what happens? One of two things. Either it was really a no, and they really didn't want to do it, but they felt scared. And if, if that's the case, I give them the out. I say, it's okay if you don't want to do it. Just tell me. And then they'll say, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for being so great. Yeah, I really don't feel like it's a good fit, but I love what you're doing. I go, hey, I appreciate that. And listen, if you know anyone who is in that space, you know, send them my way. I don't do high-pressure sales. And I've gotten referrals, true story, many of them from people who never bought from me, but told their friends how great it was, and that if it was right for them, they would have done it, right? And that because they have a need, they should too. 
So be okay to turn someone away and, and give them permission. The other option is when you say, it's okay, you don't need to buy today, um, or it's okay, if it's not a good fit, you can just say no. Then if they're really not 100% no, then they'll actually fight you on it. They'll come back and say, no, 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 I really do want to. I'm just trying to work through this problem. Oh, no problem. And then you move on to working with them with the objection. Make sense? Right? So, so that, that's my three things on what an objection is. It's either a legit question that's valid, and you just answer the questions. Recognize that the meaning is it's a sign of interest, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. And number three is it could just be an excuse to say no. So if that's the case, give them the out. Good so far? All right, and we're only like five or six minutes in. So that's the first part of defining what an objection is. Okay, the next section is this. What do we do about an objection? What do you actually do? Well, I got four possibilities. I like making lists. Do you? I like making lists. So four possibilities. The first one, you might not think of this right away, but the first possibility is you can ignore it. Straight up ignore it. Depending on what the objection is, how it comes up and how it feels in the moment, sometimes I just sort of ignore it completely. You don't have to actually mention it. It might not be a real objection or it might not really have teeth. Or I might say something like, oh, that's a great question. Um, let's come back to that in a moment. You know, let me just kind of continue through this. Like maybe you're making a presentation, let's say. So I might, if I'm on stage, I might say, Oh, great question. Hold that for a minute. If you still have it later, you can ask it. But let me go ahead and finish up this presentation because I need to explain a few more things. Or you just essentially say, let's continue this conversation and we'll come back around and, 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 and deal with that question. Some version of that. And the, the language isn't exact and specific what I'm saying right now, but you get the idea. You basically ignore it and say, thanks so much, but let's keep going. And the funny thing is, is sometimes you end up answering that problem by going through the sales process or by, by continuing your conversation. Or you don't ever answer it at all. And the truth was, they never really had that as a question or a problem. It's just something that some people, here's how they work. Their brains will pop up with a question or something that they wanna, they wanna express out loud just because they wanna express it out loud. And if you don't let them express it out loud, and 10 minutes go by, they'll forget they had that because they're always thinking about something. They're always wanting to express a thought or a feeling as they go. And the truth is not that that person doesn't have to express every single thought and every single feeling and every single question that comes to their mind. So if you just sort of like cut them off in, in a nice way, in, in a rapport sort of way, they might not actually have a need to ask that question. Does that make any sense? It might sound funny, but the people might not really have a need to ask that. They just, there was a lull in conversation. You might have said, so what do you think so far? And they said, you know, I got this question. And that's just, they're just processing, that's all. So does that make sense? So it might just be them processing externally and not really having a question. So if you ignore those ones, you'll know it's okay to ignore it because they'll just go with you. They go, oh, you know, you just say, oh, that's interesting, yeah. How about this one? Blah, 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 sales presentation. And then I look at them and say, so what do you think so far? And they go, oh, yeah, this is really good. And, you know, I, 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 I feel like it might be a challenge because of X, Y, or Z. And, I, and you can literally say this. Man, that's a really, really great thought. Well, let, let's continue for a second. And then you just continue into the next part. And they'll go, oh, okay. And they'll look down at the paper or they'll, they'll look back at you and they'll listen because you're going to continue. 
they'll go along with you because it was just them processing. It wasn't a real question. So does that happen every time? I, I don't want you to misunderstand. If you're listening to this and you think that my whole advice about objections is ignore them because they're fake, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying one of the first things you could do or try to do is, is ignore it or validate it, like mention it, but then move on and don't do anything about it is my point. Not everything said has to be done. Not everything said has something to do about it. All right. But number two, which is more often, number two, the thing to do is to restate and to validate the objection. This is kind of your classic good integrity salesperson uh, positioning. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that money's a little tight right now, and this is really valuable, but you're not sure how, how you're going to be able to pay for it, or you're worried about getting your investment back. Is that what I'm hearing you? Okay, great. Does that make sense? So restating it is so important. You don't just, and so often, I, I, every time I teach on this kind of thing, I usually, I'll teach, but then I give counterexamples constantly, because like you, I've probably seen this done wrong so many times. Have you seen it done wrong a lot? right? So here's the wrong way to do it. Somebody says, well, money's a little tight. I don't, I'm worried I'm not going to get my investment back. What does a salesperson reply with? No, no, no. Let me tell you. Like, the thing is, you'll make a lot of money from this. Oftentimes, a salesperson, they hear the objection, and they might even cut it off halfway, for goodness sakes. But they'll hear the objection, and then they'll answer it. That is not what you want to do with an objection. You're missing the entire restating and validating. So there's three steps to answering an objection. When you hear it, the first step is to restate it. So here's what I'm hearing you say. You don't need to placate them and talk like a child or talk to them like a child. You just say, so, okay, that, that makes sense. So, so what I'm getting is, or it sounds like you're concerned about this and this or this thing happening. Is that accurate? Am I getting that right? Am I understanding you? I promise you, nine out of 10 salespeople don't even do that. They don't, they don't stop and say, I heard you say this. Is that accurate? Now, why does that matter? Why would you want to make sure that you, you have their concern accurate? So you're answering the proper question. You know what's so funny? I've done this sometimes. They, they say something. I will repeat it back almost word for word. And I'll say, so what I'm hearing is you said this and this and this. Is that accurate? You know what they say sometimes? Well, it's not so. Because they heard themselves back now and, and it didn't register. Now, think about this. I'm repeating word for word what they already said, right? They just said, here's my concern. I'm worried the shoes are too big. I'm hearing you say you're worried that the shoes are too big. Well, it's not exactly that. See, when they hear it back... They process it, and they, they might think to themselves, that's not really my issue. They were just trying to figure out how, how to uh, put it into words. So by re restating the objection and getting back to them exactly what you believe you heard will, will clarify what the real objection is. The second thing that does is, is, so if they might say, exactly, that's correct, great, then you move on. Or they might say, well, that's not exactly it. And then you go, great, well, what is it exactly, or what is it really? Okay, so that gets you so you can really speak to the real objection, the real issue, not a, a surface level one, but the actual one. The second thing that does is it shows them how much you actually care. You're not here to, because when you, when you just answer their objection, it can feel like you're bulldozing them, even if you're not a bulldozer. But when you restate it, they will get a feeling of, oh, you actually care enough 
that you're listening to what I just said is my issue, and you want to make sure it's accurate so you can answer it effectively. Like, that's cool. So that's, again, something that, oddly enough, a lot of people don't do. So giving you an overview real quick, we're talking about how to handle the objections. Item number one was ignore. Item number two is restate and validate, and we're in the middle of that right now. So the first part of that is restating, right? And we just talked about that. The second part is validate. Just because you restate it doesn't mean it's valid. What we have to be able to do is get into the person's model of the world or their way of thinking and validate the fact that that is a valid question, a valid concern. I, I wouldn't call them objections, of course, with a client, and I don't even like that word, actually, but that's probably the most searched for sales word, handling objections, so that's why we call it that. Um, but really, when I think about it, it's either a question or a concern or a challenge or a, something like that. When you validated it, it, it tells the people that you actually care, again, and that they're right to feel that way. So even if you don't think they're right to feel that way, you got to at least admit that it's okay for them to feel what they feel, don't you? Right? Even if you don't agree with it and you think that is a lousy excuse, what a dumb question, right? Like, what? Why would you have that issue? Are you kidding me? Do you have no brains in your head? Have you not seen my product? It's the best. Come on. Even if you're thinking that, and you, so it's hard sometimes to validate that the concern is valid, but you can, you can validate this in your own mind. Think of it this way. Validate the fact that it's okay for that person to have that concern. It's okay and valid for that person to feel or think the feelings or thoughts they had. And do you have a problem with that? No, I think it's okay. I think it's valid to have anyone to think or feel whatever it is they think or feel. That's completely okay. So if you know NLP, you can use the agreement frame. The agreement frame is rather than saying, yeah, I understand that, but that's not going to happen here. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 get, I get that, but, but we're different. You know, the, the classic response, which is, I understand, but, but, such an ugly word, I understand, but. What does that really say in the English language when you say, I understand, but? What does it really say? Yeah, I don't understand at all, and I don't agree with you, and I think you're dumb, and I'm going to tell you my point of view now. That's kind of what it means when we hear someone say that to us, isn't it true? So in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, we talk about the agreement frame, which is just a, a shift of language structure. Rather than I understand but, you might use I agree with that and. A few ways to do the agreement frame, you can say I agree with that and. What about this? I appreciate that and. Wow, I really appreciate that point of view. I can definitely see how, 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 how that would make sense, or I could definitely see how, how, um, how you're getting that feeling. I totally get that. I agree with that, actually. And I'll tell you, blah, 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 and then you go on and, and answer the question. So you could say, I agree with that and, I appreciate that and. You could say, I respect that and. And there's other versions, too. But the important thing is the structure of the agreement frame. The structure is that you're basically coming alongside with them, right? You're, you're not saying, yeah, I understand, but let me fix you. You're coming alongside so you face the same direction as if you're friends. And you say, I agree with you. What does it mean when you agree with someone? It means that both of you have the same point of view, right? You're literally saying, I have the same point of view as you do. What you just thought is the same thing that I just thought. I love that. And 
why don't we together look at another option or a different way of doing it, so forth and so on. Does that make sense? That's what the and is. Gosh, I use this all the time in life, even when I'm not selling, right? I just, I, all the time, right? Val wants to go to, you know, my seven-year-old son, he wants to go to bed later, he wants to do this, or he used up his time, but now he still wants to play, right? Wow, I so agree with you. I want to play too. And because school's tomorrow, why don't we do this? So I'm not saying I'm the bad dad saying you go to your room. I'm saying, hey, me and you want the same thing here. And, and the truth is, it's already 8.30, and, that, and we know that's bedtime, isn't it? He goes, yeah. He goes, so how do you think we could still have the fun that we want to have while still going to bed? And all of a sudden, he might, you know, he doesn't do this every time, but it works a lot. He might go, okay, well, you know, I said, what if we read this book, or what if we did that book, or what if we brought some of the toys into bed with us when you go to, oh, okay. And all of a sudden, he's off and running, because instead of refuting what his problem was, I agreed with the fact that it is a real problem. We both have the real problem. And now, what should we together do about it? That's the agreement frame. Make sense so far? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Here's the third thing you can do. This is not, by the way, this is not consecutive. You don't ignore it and then restate it and then do this. These are just three different ways you could deal with uh, an objection that comes up. The third possibility, after you restate it, or uh, other than restate and validate and other than ignoring it, the third one is you can clarify it. It'll be important to clarify an objection if it seems a little bit vague in nature or you're not 100% certain on what it means. So how you clarify is you do what we do in NLP, which is called chunk down. Or for layman's terms, you just get more specific. You ask specificity-based questions. So they give me an objection. They say, well, I just, the thing is I need a, it's, it sounds like it takes a month to do this, but I really need this next week. What could you ask? I could say, well, you know, okay, great. So next week, so when specifically by next week? Is this 10 days? Is it six days, right? What are they actually looking at? Because would that matter maybe? Because maybe you could get it in 10 days, but you couldn't get it in six days. So specify next week when specifically exactly is that? Do you need it by... When, and they'll say, well, I have an event on Saturday, and I need it by then. And you're thinking, so they told you, I need it by Monday. So they were prepared. But now you know more. You know they have an event on Saturday. So maybe the shipping is this long and this and that. But you go, you know what we can do? We can get it done by Tuesday, and then I can rent it out to you by Thursday. And you'll still have it more than enough time for your event. Would that work? And see how like a little bit of specificity helped? So specificity with time frames. Here's some things you want to find out and get specific on. Um, you can chunk down and get specific on their actual need. Sometimes the objection itself isn't the need. They just say, well, it's not going to work because of this, or ah, I don't have the money for that. Well, what's the need? See, when someone says they don't have the money, the funny thing is that's not always what they mean. I've had people you know, with sitting with maybe $100,000 in savings talking about a $1,000 program saying, I don't have the money. And look, I don't, the point is, I don't know what's going on in their life. In their world, what they meant is, hey, this is my savings, so if I don't touch that, I just look at what my budget is, I don't have the money in my budget this week to do your program. So don't, just because someone says, I don't have the money or something like that, don't take it as uh, meaning that they have $52 in their bank. They might. 
but they might just have money set aside that they don't want to use. Or I've had someone say, well, that's, gosh, I don't have that much right now, $5,000, man. Um, do you do a payment plan? And I said, sure. We could do, you know, three payments of $2,000 each. And if you do the math with me, that means it's 6000 total now, right? <laughs> and that same person, five seconds later, said to me, oh, okay, so it's a little more. You know what? No, I'll just pay for it all now. I'll just put it on a card. And I'm like smacking my head going, 20 seconds ago, you said, I don't have enough money to do that. And what they meant was, I don't have the money in my checking account to do that. And then when I gave them a payment plan option that was a little more, then they said, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll put it on a card. Oh, you'll pay the whole thing in full and you'll do it today. So just don't expect that what someone says on the surface don't expect that what, what they mean by it is exactly what you think they mean by it. That's my whole point, okay? This conversation is not about trying to talk people and using their credit cards. The conversation is about uncovering the deep meaning and the real truth behind what their objection actually is. So you can chunk down and identify a real need or a deep need that they actually have. Like, do they, do they need it next week or do they actually need it before their event on Saturday? Which one was it? Anyone listening? This is still a live recording, right? Yeah, right? So they said I need it next week, but their actual need was they needed it for an event. So then you can speak to how do we get that accomplished? So that happens often. Um, you can chunk down on meaning. So when they ask you a question or they have a concern, find out what that actually means. Sometimes, you know, they're, they ask about a guarantee. Are they really asking about a guarantee? Well, do you have any kind of guarantee? Oh, yeah, here's my guarantee. Don't stop. Don't do that. Don't get into telling them what your guarantee is. What if you ask a question instead? You see, that's a great question. It's funny how people don't ask about that oftentimes. I'm just curious, what causes you to ask about that question? What causes you to ask about a guarantee? We have a great one, but I'm curious what your experience has been with programs like this. Do you think there's a good chance that there's some meaning or story behind someone that asks about stuff like that? Yeah. yeah. And what's the meaning? We don't know. Don't assume what it is. Ask. Uncover the meaning. The meaning might be, I want to know about your guarantee because I worked with a coach before and I got really burned and I felt like I wasted all my money and I hated it and I'm sick of it and I don't want to do that again, but I really like you and I really have hope and I think this could work, but I'm just scared that you're going to suck like everyone else did. Maybe. So maybe they got burned. But what if it's not that at all? What if they're just having doubt in themselves and they said, you know, here's the truth. I want to know about your guarantee because I, I'm just, I'm not 100% certain that I'm going to be able to pull this off. And I really want to use it and I want to get the results, but I'm worried that I'm not going to jump in because I've bought things before and then set them on the shelf. Notice how that's different? So what do you, so now when you do answer that, and you might not answer it at all. You might never even talk about your guarantee, right? You might ignore it. But because you clarified it and you found out it was not a question about a guarantee, it was really a question about their self-confidence about moving forward and not wasting something, and they've done that to themselves before. Now what do you do? I don't say, well, my guarantee is in 365 days if you haven't made this much money. Like, don't, don't tell them. They don't honestly care about that. What they care about is knowing that you will be there for them, that you believe in them, that the product is strong, that they'll be able to do it. So then instead of talking about a guarantee, you spend most of your time talking about them. You spend that time saying, well, can I ask you a question? You know, and then what's your motivation for this? And how important is this? And look, when you finally, I know you haven't been able to do this before, but when you step in and start doing it today, like, 
how is it going to be like you tell me I, I turn the tables when it's confidence say, you tell me like why would this be any different than every other time you've done it and they'll say well I don't know and then you say then this might not be a great fit because here's the truth this program works but I need you to be in it believe in it and do the work tell me how will this be different than the times you've tried to work on this area in life before like, if you tell me how it's going to be different and you can commit to it, I will be there with you. So whether you're a personal trainer or you're a coach or you're a vacuum cleaner salesman, tell me about your Kirby guarantees. It's a lifetime guarantee. Why, do you, why is it important to have a guarantee? Well, because I bought vacuum cleaners before and they broke after six months and it's frustrating because I have all these pets. And it doesn't, you know, horse hair and guinea pig hair, it like gets stuck and it's all messy. <laughs> and then you can speak to the, but do you hear what I'm saying? If, if they ask about your guarantee for your vacuum cleaner and you ask them why it's important and they tell you it's because they break down, then you speak to the quality of your product. If you say, why is it important? They might say, well, the truth is I usually, I've bought them before and I left it in the closet. I never really used it, right? And I'm, I'm wondering if by the time it's old in five years, you know, can I get a new one if I need to because I'm going to start or something. But the point is you talk to whatever their real concern is, whatever their real meaning, whatever their real need is by asking questions. Making sense so far? Yeah. Right? Good. Is that useful? Yeah. All right. All right. We're, we're rounding the end here. So that's the clarifying. Well, number four, the final one. If through clarifying and or restating and validating or even ignoring, if that doesn't seem to work or that doesn't really fit, if it's just a straight up objection and you can't seem to get through it, right? You're talking about, oh, I don't have the money. And you go, well, tell me what that means and, 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 and why is it so important to you? And I, I get it, man. Money is so important. And I've been in a place myself, so that's totally valid. If that doesn't really work and they just are stuck on it, the fourth thing you can do is move on, not ignore it, but move on with what we call the as-if principle. Move on with the as-if principle. So you'd say something like, so, and I don't know if you can hear this on the recording. Hopefully you can. We're recording this in our office right next to John Wayne Airport in Orange County. So those are the, uh, was that a helicopter going over? Yeah. Maybe a fighter jet, something like that. That's good. Yeah. Every, uh, they're really kind. Every like five to 10 minutes, they'll have something come on over us. And so we can, we can have a, a reason to talk about distraction during live events and during podcast recordings. So there we go. At any rate, so number four is moving on as if. So you'll say something to the, this is really good in, in sales, and it's also really good for negotiations. Think about, let me tell you about negotiation first. If you're in the middle of negotiating two points of view with somebody, and you're getting along pretty well, and you're finding common agreement along the way, but then you hit a sticking point. Have you ever seen that before? You hit this point where now it's like, I'm not budging, and neither are they, and I need this, and they need this, but you're early on in the negotiation, one of the most powerful tactics you can use is instead of trying to force them into it to move on, otherwise, what happens if you can't, if you can't agree on that point? You're done. You're dead in the water, right? So instead, you use the move on as if frame. You say, let's do, let's do this. I realize this is an important point and we're not quite on the same page. Let's pretend as if we found agreement on this. And let's move on for the other points of, of the entire process. And at the end, if we haven't resolved it, we'll come back and deal with this. Is that okay? 
So you're basically getting permission. Let's pretend as if this is handled and we've agreed. Let's move on and do the other parts. And I did this in real estate a lot. And what I found very often is at the end, that thing that was so important 10 minutes into a negotiation, an hour later, once they realized this is this great price and that's what I really want and we're giving you all this and you're and everything was such a big win-win, we came back to who's going to fix the fence. And it's like, you know, the truth is that's not really important. And I'll say, hey, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just split the fence 50-50? We'll each put 1000 bucks in. They go, that's fine. But 30 minutes ago, they were like, no, you got to fix the fence. It's your responsibility. Well, I don't feel like I need to. I think you should fix the fence. And, and you get to this sticking point where you can't move on. So uh, such a powerful tool for sales and for negotiation is as if principle, just move on. So in sales, same thing. So, okay, so I'm getting it. So right now you feel really, really stuck with money and man, that, and that's a tough place to be and I've been there myself. Can, I, can we try something out? Let's just, let's pretend as if you found the money, as if it was no big deal. And if you had the money, let's move on and really talk about, talk about the rest of this conversation or let's continue the conversation and see if we can still find a good fit. And at the end, if it really makes sense, we can brainstorm about trying to find the money. And if it doesn't make sense, then we don't have to. Is that okay? And again, if the person is genuinely interested in it and the objection is a real objection, it's really money, not just a excuse to say no without saying no, they'll probably jump at the opportunity and they'll say, that sounds great. Let's do that. And you go, wonderful. Let's do that. And then you move on, you move towards the end, and then here's the thing. Pay attention. If you move on or you ignore and you get to the end and you say, so, how does this sound, et cetera, et cetera, are you ready to buy? Who brings back the objection that you never handled? Hopefully no one, but if anyone, it's them. Like, I don't, you, don't, you don't need to have a tally list of all the objections that you moved past and as if Get to the end, and then it's so funny. Again, I'll tell you, I've had times when it was a money objection, and we said, well, let's just, let's just pretend we found the money and we had a magic genie, and, and, you have, and you have the five grand right now. Let's just pretend that. Let's, let's kind of continue the conversation as if that was the case and see if this really does, in fact, make sense for you or not. Okay, great. And if they're really happy with it, by the time we get to the end, I've said, okay, so do you have any other questions before we enroll? And they'll say, no, let's do it. And I'm like, what happened to no money? But because we continued the conversation and got to the point of, of really getting the value and they got motivated and they understood why they needed it and, and how beneficial it was going to be and, and whatever the case may be, they didn't really have that concern down the road. They only had it up front, right? So sometimes it gets handled by itself. Other times you'll say any other questions and they might say, okay, so let's come back to that genie in the bottle money thing. And then you can go, great. But here's the benefit of this. If you try to deal with an objection like in the first 10, 20% of a, of a sales presentation or a sales conversation, A, it'll be a bigger objection, and B, um, they're not nearly as motivated or sold on the idea, so it'll, it'll feel like a bigger objection than it really is. If you do it at the end, what you can do is you can basically come together again, like the agreement frame. You can brainstorm together ways to solve this problem. Right? So I've sat with people at the end of our workshops, right? Like we have our influence uh, NLP for speaking workshop coming up in April. And I'll, I'll, like I'll, I've sat with people at the last one at the end of the workshop. In the beginning, they're like, well, I really want some speaker training. I really want NLP training. Ah, I just don't have the money for it. But by the time they go through the workshop and they see the value, they see the reasons why they might want to do it, they, they get attached to all that and they understand it, then they'll come to me and say, gosh, okay, so I really, really want to do this program, but I do not have the money to do it. And then I can say, man, I get it. 
So, but you're in. They go, yeah. Basically, they're sold. They want to do it. So now instead of trying to sell them and motivate them, do I have to do any of that? No. no. It's just me being a problem solver. I come around and put my arm over their shoulder and say, let's me and you brainstorm ways we can figure out how to find the money to do this. And they're like, thank you. And then I tell them, what about we have this payment plan and we have this alternative payment plan and, and what if you did this and what if you used a card and do you know someone? And we just started, we started brainstorming ways that they can afford to do it. The, the important thing to, to note is that we're having this conversation after they're already emotionally sold on the program. They're already in, we've already completed the sales conversation essentially. And then we come back around and, and brainstorm on overcoming the objection together. Fair enough? Okay, great. All right. We are just about wrapped up, but I do want to hit a couple more things um, of actual, the actual answering themselves. I think I want to spend the bulk of the, this podcast talking about the psychology of objections and how to frame them and where to put them. And I hope that was useful so far because there's, there, trust me, there's, there's no shortage of sales training telling you the language to say, you know, here, use this rebuttal. And I, I didn't want this episode to be about here's the rebuttal to give to someone. Here's the the word you use to trick them into buying, right? That's not the purpose. I want it to be about the psychology, but with that said, here's a few ways to answer the objections themselves. So the previous section was what do you do about them, the different ways to do. To recap, you can ignore them. You can restate and validate it with the agreement frame. You can clarify and get more details and chunk down. And you can move on with the as-if frame. Those are what you can do. Now, once you've done that, or, or in doing that, here's some actual responses you can give to people, okay? This is what I would say at the objection. So number one, I think you might like this a lot. You can identify the specific objection itself. We've touched upon that briefly, but let's get a little more serious. Um, there's only four objections, in my opinion. Every objection boils down to one of four different objections. Would you like to know what they are? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So would you like to write them down? All right, here we go. Man, you're good. So uh, objection number one, I don't have enough blank. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have the team in place for that. I don't have whatever the thing is I need to have. Objection number two would be it won't work for me. Essentially, I believe in you or the product, but I don't believe that it'll work for me. Okay. This is your personal trainer and you have a diet plan and, and, and they, they, they believe, hey, look, I know this diet plan works. I just don't believe it'll work for me because I've tried stuff like that before, okay? Objection number three is I just straight up don't believe you. I'm still not convinced that this works or that this is going to be what I want it to be. So I call that one, I don't believe you. Don't feel attacked. Don't get defensive. Just realize that you haven't hit their convincer strategy for your product or service. For some reason or another, they still, they, they don't see the merit in, in, in knowing that that thing you have actually works yet. And then the fourth one is, I do want it. I believe you, I believe it'll work for me. Maybe even I have enough resource. I want it, but not right now. Now, I'm not gonna give you, here's what I want to avoid. I don't want to give you canned answers that are what you say every time someone says, I don't have enough money. I mean, there's a few that I might use repeatedly, but I don't, I don't want you to try to script this out. The best way to handle it is just have a genuine conversation with the person. Really be genuine and authentic. And when you hear them say, I don't have enough money, 
again, you can validate it, right? Again, you, you can you can ignore it and move on. You can clarify and say, what do you mean? And, and, and you know, we do have a payment plan available. Like, that's a fraction of the cost, right? It's only 500 a month instead of 5,000. You know, would that work for you? And again, if they're in, they might go, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Yeah, that would be great. Let's do that. Okay, done. And you sign them up. Here's how you would resolve the objection. First, of course, listen to their objection completely. Really listen to them and hear them out. If you're dealing with this towards the end of a sales conversation, where you know you've clearly gotten good value out, you, you found out what they're needing, you've met their need, right? You've brought your value across to their need. If you've really done that well and you believe that kind of there's not really a reason to say no, at this point, and they come up with an objection, like these are the end of the road objections, okay? So at the end of everything, you go, great, are you, do you have any more questions before we go ahead and, and sign up? And they go, yeah, I guess I, I just, I don't know, it seems great and everything, but I still just don't really know that it'll work. Is there any evidence? Hopefully they don't have that question because throughout the sales conversation, you probably would have answered some of that, right? You would have explained how it works and why it's so powerful, maybe given a testimonial. So if they have an objection at the very end before sales, uh, before the close, you can even act a little bit surprised. I like that. So they say, I have an objection. I don't think it'll work. And I go, what? Maybe not that over the top. <laughs> what? Well, you, right? Just, but act a little surprised. Go, oh, huh, okay. Like you're unconsciously saying, I mean, weird, but I mean, sure. Okay, yeah, let, let's deal with that. Because no, you're thinking to yourself, normally people don't have that question or issues at this point because I think we've had this conversation and all made sense. I think you're ready to buy. What the heck are you thinking in your mind? But that's fine. Let's handle this too. You don't say that. You're just sort of thinking it lightly, right? Kind of have that slight, whimsical, um, slightly surprised expression. You can also use, here's an NLP. I will give you one NLP uh, sentence that works really well. Oh, so you mean that's the only reason why you're not buying? So here's two, two, two different language patterns to respond to that whimsical, out-of-the-blue objection that you should have already handled. If they do, in fact, come up with an issue like that, you say some version of, oh, 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 so you're, okay, so we're still not sure about the money? Okay, so, so, so that's the only reason why you're not able, you're not deciding yet? Or is that the only reason why you're not enrolling then? What does that do when you say that? If you can solve that, they're in. It clarifies that that's the real problem, right? And it presupposes by using what's called a presupposition and only, right? It's an inclusive, exclusive, or that, that's not important. Don't worry about that. But that's one of our NLP pattern things. When I say, so that's the only reason you're not buying, that presupposes that there is only, in fact, one other reason. So if they say yes to that, then what do we have to do? Then we go, great, okay, so besides that, you're in and you feel good about this? They go, they kind of are now going, well, yeah, I guess I do. Okay, great, so let's put our heads together and solve this issue. And then you work on solving the, uh, whatever the objection was. Simple as that, right? Another way you could do it is, this is a classic one, it's called the conditional close. When I was 19 and bought a Kirby vacuum from a door-to-door -door salesperson for $1,800, because that's what Kirby sold for, I think. 
hey, it was a lifetime guarantee. I could pass that vacuum down to my children, which I didn't do. Val does not vacuum. He has a dust buster, <laughs> which he uses for his spilled cereal. But anyway, that's beside the point. When I bought my Kirby vacuum, the guy used a great conditional clothes. I wasn't all the way in, right? I was like, oh, this is Actually, it is kind of cool, and it's cooler than I thought it was going to be. And, and, of course, he came in my house, and he was cleaning up this stain and cleaning up that one. And I had two dogs. And he said, so is there anything else, right? What, what's the, he said something like, what's the one type of stain or what's the one, you know, part of dirty in your carpet that, that if we could clean that up would make the vacuum worthwhile for you? Oh, what a terrible question. Because as soon as I answered it, that now became the one thing that had to push me over the edge unconsciously. So I said, well, I, you know what? I guess we got pet stains, man. We got, you know, we got dog pee, you know, from, you know, we cleaned up, but it still shows up, right, every season. And then he said this. So if I could use this Kirby to pull up that pet stain and have it as if it was never there, you'd want to buy the vacuum then? Or you'd want to buy the vacuum, right? Or at that point, you'd be in? And I looked at him and said, well, yeah. And he said, great. And he went to work and he got the vacuum. He put the shampoo thing. And all of a sudden I watched this pet stain disappear before my eyes. And I was like, crap. And then he said, did you want to use a Visa or a MasterCard? <laughs> and I said, discover. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right? So that's one of the ways, right? So if I could show you how to do this, um, if it's a resource problem, right, which is the money, I don't have the time, I don't have the whatever, you know, you can actually say this. Okay, so if we can come up with a way or if I can show you a way to have the money to make this work, would you want to buy? Would you be in? If they say yes, here's the important thing. That's a conditional close. Now emotionally the person has decided yes and you're no longer making a sale. Now you're a consultant helping them get resourceful. Do you hear the difference? It's a drastically different emotional place to be. I'm no longer trying to sell them the product. They've now said, yeah, if you can, if you can help me find the money, I'm in. Awesome. Emotionally, you said yes. You basically signed on the dotted line. We're doing this. We're in like Flynn. This is awesome. So now the question is, how do we find the money? And then we go about that process. Okay. Um, so you can, again, so identify which of the, the objections it is, one of those four, and then you help them to resolve it, and you can use conditional language like that that don't just keep resolving problems. That's what I want you to avoid. Don't just go, oh, well, here, you can get a babysitter, so that takes care of the kids. Oh, yeah, I guess that, yeah, that takes care of the kids. Yeah, but we still don't have the money. Oh, we have a great payment plan. What about this? Okay, well, I guess that works. Yeah, but getting the time off work is going to be really hard. Have you ever been in a situation where you keep fixing objections and they keep coming up with more stuff? Avoid doing that. So rather than, <laughs> thank you for the enthusiastic guess. Rather than keep trying to fix the problem and keep trying to overcome the objection, instead, make sure you use the presuppositions and the conditional close. Okay, great. You, you know, again, another version is I'd say, oh, okay, so finding, a, finding something to do with the kids to come to the workshop, that's, look, I'm a parent myself, that's really important. So is this like the only thing that's keeping you from the workshop? If we, can hand, if we can find a great solution for this, would you be ready to come? And again, if they say yes, then you've, you've sold, you're done, and now you say, awesome, well, I'm excited to have you guys there. Let's take a minute, though, and let's put our heads together and figure out how to solve this kid thing. Can I offer you a few suggestions? 
here's what some students have done before. We've had a lot of parents come. I've actually had, you know, one time um, I had a, a, a new mother with a six-month-old baby say, so I really want to go, but I just, I can't leave my baby for three days. And I go, are you kidding me? I get that. So if it wasn't for the baby, like if you could figure out a great solution for the baby, would you want to come? She goes, yes, of course. Okay, great. So we'll get you enrolled, but let's put our heads together and come up with a great way to support you and your baby. And she said, okay. And then I offered this. I said, what if you brought your baby with you? What? No, I'm serious. We've done this quite a few times. I've had um, people in the last weeks of pregnancy at seminars. I've had uh, newborns at seminars. Listen, we'll take care of you. Right? We got all the chairs here. Like if you came to this training room, we got about 20 or 30 chairs in, in, in the training space. We got couches back there, right? Like hang out with the couch. You can have some, uh, there, we can, you can use one of our offices for like private feeding times or changing. Like trust me, like we care. Of course you can come and take care of it. And can your husband come too? Yeah. Then you guys both, you know, you can take care of each other and, and you don't have to miss anything. He can take the baby out if, uh, if she needs a break. And I've said that and made those suggestions. And I've had many people over the years say, oh my gosh, I, they weren't imagining that was possible. So when I give them that idea, they go, wow, yeah, okay, that's great. Well, let's do it then. Okay, awesome. Sign here. So make sure you presuppose, is this the only issue and if we handle this, are you ready to go? If you don't do that, you'll hit objection after objection after objection. So that's what I would say about that. Um, and then if, you're, if you keep getting objections at the end, if they keep coming up with like, if they come up with a, an objection and you handle it, if they come up with a second one and you handle it, meaning you help them find a solution, if they come up with a third objection, you know what I would do? I would stop. I would back up, and I'd say, I'd probably actually say that. I'd say, you know, can we just stop for a second and back up? Uh, I want to apologize. I feel like I might have jumped the gun, and, like, and, and I might be assuming that you do want to do this program, and I apologize for that because it sounds like there's a lot that's getting in the way of doing that. Is this something that, that seems valuable to you that you really would like to do, or are you just politely trying not to say no? What if you said that to someone? Same thing as earlier, one or two reactions. No, 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 I really do. I'm just, this is the thing. Okay. And then you come back in conditional close. You say, okay, so it, it is, and I totally get it, right? But if this is a really a legitimate uh, a challenge you have, so if we can handle this one, then you'd be ready to go? They should say at that point, yes. Or if you've somehow misread the situation and you kind of bulldoze without noticing and you got to the end of the presentation and they keep having objections and you stop and say, hang on a second, I might have pushed ahead too far. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I feel like this might not actually be something that you're wanting to do or for you. Are you just maybe politely trying to, to not sign up without saying no to me? If that's the case, that's okay. You can just say no. And they might go, okay, actually, yeah, I really, I don't know that I need this right now. Okay, fine. Listen, no problem. That's okay. I would ask you this. I, I promise you this, though. The program's amazing. It works really well. I've had a lot of great people go through it. If you know someone who has that same issue that you had, but they actually want to fix it, make sure you have your friend come to me. <laughs> I wouldn't be that mean, but you know what I mean? <laughs> if you have someone who actually wants to take control of their life, please send them to me. You can continue in, in your way. I'm joking just for the sake of uh, the listeners right now. But, but I, <laughs> I'm joking that harshly, but I would say, I, I do say something like that sometimes. It might be, I, I might do this. You know, I, I, so I do hear you. It sounds like you, you might not be ready for this right now. You might not be in a place where you're ready to really step into this in your business right now. And I get that. 
Um, listen, if you know anyone, if you have any friends or colleagues that are in a place where they do want to grow their business or, or they want to take this kind of a step, please, you know, grab my card and refer them out. I would love to have a conversation with them. I can promise you I'll treat them well. I'm not going to push a sale just like I haven't done with you. Um, and if at any point in the future you, are, you feel like you're ready to step into this and you're ready for that next step, um, you know, reconnect with me. I'd love to hear from you. You probably won't hear from them, but you might. Okay, so does that make sense? That, that, that's a way of taking the final no and not making it, I'm saying no to your product because I don't believe it. They're basically saying no to themselves. They're saying no, I'm not at the place where I'm ready for that yet. And at that point, what are you gonna do? Okay, sounds great. All right, is that making sense so far? Yeah. Outstanding. So I hope you enjoyed this so far. Um, Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for being an awesome, present audience, and uh, this was a lot of fun. So if you're listening at home, give me some feedback. Oh, yeah, we'll probably deal with this in, in, in the clothes and studio later on. So love you guys. Have an awesome day. Anyone have any questions? Yes, so sometimes I have people where I get into a sales conversation and they want to jump the gun to price before we've even begun the real dialogue. So what strategies or techniques can I use or even scripted responses? I guess not, maybe not the ideal, but what, what can I say to somebody that goes in and says, all right, how much is this going to cost me right off the bat? Such a great question. So um, the most common time I heard that was in the mortgage business. And it was really common. Someone would hear about us, and they'd call on the phone, because it was the 90s. So they'd call on the phone and say, what's your rates? And they wanted, because I, I knew what most people were looking for. If you were a conforming loan, full income qualification, with a 700-plus FICO score, yada, 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 they wanted to know all the other media companies were advertising, you know, six and a quarter percent or something. And they wanted to know were, what were our rates and they were shopping for rate, quote unquote. So the first thing I found is people that were shopping for rate, didn't, they almost never bought. They were shopping for rate and they would get our rate and they would go back to another company they were already in with. They go back to B of A and say, hey, uh, I got this rate quoted. Can you drop me an eighth of a percent? And they go, well, okay. So that wasn't helpful at all. So the first thing to realize is if someone's like cutting to the chase with money, sometimes that means they're not probably going to be a client in the first place. So don't worry about offending them. Like, like be okay to stop the process and take control of a conversation. Um, the second thing is if they are jumping to it because they're excited and because they do want to, but maybe they're a little worried how expensive it's going to be, I, my, my standard answer, like someone says, well, how much is Pinnacle? How much is this, this mastermind program? I'll usually say, well, there's a few different options, and it depends on, on, on what exactly you need and where you are. So can I ask you a question? And then I, I start to get into that. Yeah, yeah, but how much is it? Well, again, it depends. So when people would ask me in the mortgage business, I'd say, well, my rates are 3 to 18%. It depends. It depends if it's a first or a second. If you're all, So I need to know these things. If we can't have a conversation, I can't give you an accurate quote. And if they really pushed, I'd say, sir, I totally understand. Or I appreciate the fact that you really want that. But if you give me 20 minutes, I can give you an accurate quote that we can actually keep and hold up versus one I'm making up out of the air based on a fictitious situation. Which one would you like? And then they'll hang up. Because if they really didn't care and they were just shopping and they were never going to go with us, they'll hang up and be like, oh, whatever, man, they hang up. Because I'm not trying to hard close them. I'm just trying to get their, get, have a real conversation. So in, in the coaching and service business professional space, 
try really hard, seriously, not to jump to conclusions. Even if, what if you do a pool, a pool cleaning service and someone says, well, how much is it to clean a pool? Does it ever depend? Is it salt water or chlorine? How big is it? How often do you use it? Do you want it maintained in the winter or the summer? So forth and so on, right? There's a lot to, to get into, even if it's just a few things, to give them a real and accurate quote. Someone might say, I want two times a week service or once a week service or whatever it is. So, so the first thing is saying, well, instead of saying it depends, don't say that. Say, well, there's a few different options depending on your circumstance. Could I ask you a question? Or could I ask you a few questions and, we can, and, and I can give you an idea of, of what it'll cost or I'll give you an idea of, of what version of the program would fit you best. Is that fair? And again, if they're real prospects and they actually are potential buyers, they should be able to give you that much respect. And the truth is for me, especially in a service industry, if someone can't give me the respect of having a 20-minute conversation and, and me asking questions so I can find out what they need so I can serve them best, if they're not willing to do that, I mean, forget it. I don't want to work with that person anyway. They're probably going to be a big pain in the rear. You know. In fact, I've, I think my biggest pain in the rear clients are the people that come in fast and, and, you know, and like, and want this and want this and it better work. And, and then all of a sudden, three months later, they're disenfranchised because, oh my gosh. And it's like, well, slow down. Like, let's have that conversation and talk about it first. I think that's really important, you know. Great question. All right. Well, thank you again for coming out. Thank you for uh, coming to the live podcast recording uh, episode. Uh, maybe we'll do this in the future. That would be kind of fun. Maybe an excuse. Well, well, how would that be? Would that be fun? Yeah? All right, cool. So maybe in the future we'll have a special event that's just like a podcast event and I'll record in front of a live studio audience. How fun is that? Awesome. Thanks, guys, so much. And thank you for coming out. It was an awesome time. Hey, so what did you think? How was it? I, uh, I, I liked it. I, I, I thought, uh, like I said in the open, you know, I think we got through a lot more content and a lot of different things than I would have said if I was just sitting here in studio. Um, you know what's funny, Jeremy, is what I realized is I was looking out at the audience, and I know these people well. They're our mastermind members. So as I was looking out at people, in my mind, I was starting to think of different scenarios that maybe I've coached them through or things that people have come up in, uh, in the past. Sometimes I even thought of some of the people that enrolled in the program. I thought of some of the objections they had initially. In my mind, I'm thinking this, right? And I thought, oh, that's actually a really good example. So, like, I had examples and thoughts and, and nuggets that came out that I didn't have written down and I didn't expect. So, um, like I said, I hope it was good for you. Um, I'm certainly uh, prayerful that you got some value out of this. And it was, I know it's a little bit longer of an episode than we usually do. This will probably air uh, probably a hair over an hour. But like I said, I, I hope it was worth it. It might be a two or three parter for you uh, as you're driving back and forth to work. But I promise you, um, it was worth it. Jeremy, what'd you think? I think it was awesome. Yeah, super live, interactive, um, de definitely refreshing. You know, useful tips that apply to to life as well as applying to sales. So I think it's going to be a great listen for you. Nice. Uh, we also learned a few things. We had some uh, some distractions come up. How was your coughing fit? Was it good? It was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. You, you probably didn't hear Jeremy coughing, but all of a sudden I look in the back and he he gets up and he like he looks down. And he like kind of walks as fast as he could across the room, opens the door, closes the door. One of our neighbors came in and like randomly opened the door and the sunlight's pouring in. And uh, it's just funny. You try to sit down to do something for one hour and it's amazing how many people want to get involved in, <laughs> in, yeah. in distractions. So work through the distractions. All right. That's it for this week. Um, uh, like I said, I hope it was great. We are moving into some new and fresh content and new ideas coming up in the, in the coming weeks. 
I shared with you at a previous episode, um, something I'm looking at doing is taking more of these teaching segments and getting them refined and shorter and smaller digestible bites and doing those on Mondays. Remember, we always do Mondays with Matt. Just search for hashtag Mondays with Matt on Facebook and you'll find all the previous posts. Uh, make sure you go to facebook.com slash Matt Browning and like me, follow me, and you'll get notified when we're going live. You can join me on the lives and, uh, and interact with that, and we'll teach a nugget on Mondays. And that airs on Monday at midnight as a bonus episode. And then Thursdays, I am lining up right now. Um, I don't know which Thursday it's going to air first. We'll probably do a few more of the teaching episodes. But coming up soon, um, we are lining up some entrepreneurs and and company founders to do some interviews. And the idea is it's not just going to interview them, um, but because this is the purpose-driven entrepreneur. And I'm working on a new book now coming out in the next few few, uh, months. I'll tell you a little more about that when I can. I can't disclose anything yet, but it is really good. I promise it's going to be awesome. And part of the heartbeat behind the book is finding out what drives us deep inside. So I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews with founders, and it's going to be more of a conversation of what are the unconscious motivations and beliefs? um, What's the story that drove them to start in the first place? What are the motivations? What causes them to get up in in the middle of the night thinking about their business? And why did they start things in the first place? So I'm going to be going after people, some that you've heard of, some you haven't heard of, but everybody is going to have some great stories in there. So... The Thursday episodes are going to start to look more like uh, entrepreneur interviews, more than not. And don't worry, we're still going to be doing NLP topics. We'll still do business topics. I'll have the illustrious Mike Bagala back on, of course. Um, he has some of the highest rated shows so far. <laughs> Everyone seems to love him. So he'll be back on to talk about NLP nerd stuff, and we're going to keep having fun. Um, if you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe. Uh, rate and review on iTunes if you haven't already. Um, Stitcher's great. Google Play is great. Podbean's great. But especially if, you're on, if you have an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac, Please go to iTunes and rate the stars, but most importantly, write a review. If you just one favor, that's all I ask. The podcast is free. I'm always going to keep it free for you. So it's one little thing you can do to help the podcast out. Just give a rate and review for it. I love you for that. Um, thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.